Today is Friday, August 9th, 2019, and it's been a rough week. I found that I haven't had much to say. The news and its tragedies have overwhelmed me, as they have the entire world. For a podcast about how to say it, whatever it is, I'm finding myself at a loss. I'm not even sure that I have a key question for this episode, except wondering what we can do when words fail us. Welcome to episode 45 of How Can I Say This, where we look to build connection and community through courageous conversations. I'm your host, Beth Bilo, and I am really glad that you're here with me. This is going to be a rather short episode because I'm still feeling a bit in shock from the mass shootings that happened in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio on August 3rd and August 4th. When I'm at a loss for words, I turn to the words of others. Recently, that's meant finding comfort and wisdom in poetry. Growing up, I was very attracted to poetry. There was an immediacy and a rhythm to the medium that sparked my imagination. The first real poem I remember that I chose to memorize was Robert Frost's The Road Not Taken. Less my choice was the senior year assignment to memorize the first 18 lines of Chaucer's The Canterbury Tales, in Old English, mind you, which I can still recite pieces of 30 years later. My love affair with poetry dimmed in my 20s and 30s, only to be rekindled here in my 40s. I find that I turn to poetry when my attention span and patience is short, and I'm seeking a catalyst for reflection. I've even written some poetry myself over the past 18 months, mostly as an intellectual exercise in an attempt to bring more economy and color to my writing. I can't say yet whether I've been successful with that goal, as evidenced by my tendency to use 20 words when eight will do, but it's been more fun than I expected, and I'm going to keep working at it. Anyway, what I want to do today is share two poems, not written by me, with a brief reflection and call it good. What I've learned over the years is that when there's grief or pain, words aren't always the solution. People always wonder what to say when bad things happen. I think mostly we're afraid of saying the wrong thing or that whatever we say will be inadequate. Regarding the shootings and all of the other situations in the world that feel so overwhelming in their scope and difficulty, it can even feel trivial to try to put words to it, to attach words like overwhelmed or upset or even angry. I mean, can those even begin to capture the depth of what we feel? When bad things happen, when we're still processing it, or when we're being a witness to someone else's suffering, sometimes being a peaceful, quiet presence is enough. We don't need words in that moment. The time for words will come soon enough. Of course, I feel conflicted about what I just said there two seconds ago, because there does come a tipping point, such as the one we have long passed when it comes to mass shootings and other acts of large-scale violence, when speaking up as soon as possible is critical. It's not fair to say, don't talk about it that way, you're politicizing the issue, when the issue is, in fact, political. We can't be silent in the face of horror. Words need to be spoken directly, clearly, and loudly, and they need to be combined with action. We can't just talk a good game. We have to do something about it. 
That said, my goal here is not to open up that particular Pandora's box today. It's to acknowledge the difficulty of the moment for all of us and my own struggle with what to say this week, what to share with you. As they say, the show must go on, but I don't think the show has to go on in the same way it did before. It's impossible for it to go on without being affected by the context in which it's happening. And I imagine many of you share that struggle too. This thing like, I'm supposed to go to work, I'm supposed to call my parents, or whatever it is that you have to do that is quote-unquote normal life. Yes, we have to do those things, and we we need to acknowledge that the context has changed, that we have changed. So for this episode, I'm going to stop trying to find my own words and turn to the words of poet Naomi Shihab Nye and her piece titled Kindness. Before you know what kindness really is, you must lose things, feel the future dissolve in a moment like salt in a weakened broth. What you held in your hand, what you counted and carefully saved, all of this must go so you know how desolate the landscape can be between the regions of kindness. How you ride and ride, thinking the bus will never stop, the passengers eating maize and chicken will stare out the window forever. Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Before you know kindness as the deepest thing inside, you must know sorrow as the other deepest thing. You must wake up with sorrow. You must speak to it till your voice catches the thread of all sorrows and you see the size of the cloth. Then it is only kindness that makes sense anymore, only kindness that ties your shoes and sends you out into the day to gaze at bread, only kindness that raises its head from the crowd of the world to say, it is I you have been looking for, and then it goes with you everywhere like a shadow or a friend. I find this poem unbelievably beautiful and poignant in its message about the complexity of life, and in particular, kindness and love. And actually, while I was reading it, I felt myself getting chills. And as painful as it is, we need the shadow, we need the darkness in order to appreciate and see the light. We have to walk with the pain if we want to walk in the joy. I love the way that um, Shehap Nye also gracefully weaves a web of interconnectedness. I'm especially taken by these lines, where she writes, Before you learn the tender gravity of kindness, you must travel where the Indian in a white poncho lies dead by the side of the road. You must see how this could be you, how he too was someone who journeyed through the night with plans and the simple breath that kept him alive. Whenever something happens to someone else, it could also happen to us. And in a way, it is happening to us. Even if we weren't directly injured or we didn't know anyone who was, our psyche, and in some cases somebody might use the word spirit, is still injured. We still experience a level of trauma. When we can acknowledge and feel into that, we increase our empathy and are more willing to be vulnerable and human with one another. 
And finally, I remember realizing years ago that for me, part of the meaning of life was to, as they say, feel all the feels. It's about having such rich life experiences that I spend my time moving along the complete continuum of emotions, from devastating loss to anger to contentment and peace to incomprehensible joy and every point in between. To feel only a small range of emotions means that I've played it too safe, that I've held back, that I've not fully shown up for myself or for others. The question, what's the meaning of life, is one that seems impossible to answer, especially in the face of tragedy. And it's probably one that comes up at times like this when we're, we're collectively experiencing something that shakes our confidence and our, our connection to life. It can all seem pointless in moments like this. But the poets and teachers and helpers all remind us that the meaning of our lives is what we decide it is. It's what we make of it. It's both as simple and as complicated as that. To close, here's a poem from Lucille Clifton titled, Let There Be a New Flowering. It feels like the perfect sentiment to leave you with. And since it would feel wrong to follow this nine-line poem with anything but silence, I'll go ahead and say right now that I am so grateful that you have joined me, and I'm grateful to Paul Messing for his production skills and Brett Anderson for composing our theme music. You'll find links to the poems that I share here on the episode webpage at howcanisaythis.com. I look forward to continuing this journey of communication, connection, and community with you in our next episode. Peace to you and yours. So here is Lucille's poem. Let there be a new flowering in the fields. Let the fields turn mellow for the men. Let the men keep tender through the time. Let the time be rested from the war. Let the war be won. Let love be at the end. <laughs>